but to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. Amen. Well, thank you to Kate and to all in this season who are volunteering to take part in the service. If you would like to share with us a testimony, a prayer, a reading, uh, whatever God is laying on your heart, then do get in touch. Well, over the last few weeks, we've been thinking about what it means to be the church, uh, both through God's word, uh, but also through the strange uh, experience that we're all sharing in. Uh, one of the things that lockdown has done uh, is break our bond with going to a church building uh, every Sunday to worship. Some of us have grown up in church-going families. We've spent our whole lives, Sunday by Sunday, going to a church building to gather with other Christians and worship God. But as we mentioned, this is our 10th week of meeting online. Uh, for some of us, this is the longest we have ever gone without stepping into a church building. And I know that that's been a strange and sometimes painful and emotional experience. We recognise that there are certain places in life uh, which have a deep resonance with us and a deep emotional attachment, especially places that hold many memories uh, or places that become like a spiritual home to us. But we're learning, learning afresh to worship from home. Uh, and there is blessing in that as well. And we think about a whole group in society who would not normally engage with the church, uh, who would find it hard to come through the door of a church building, understandably, but who are discovering the church online and pondering Jesus and their own spirituality. And that is a great thing. Well, one of the phrases that has been bandied around in recent weeks is that the church buildings might be empty, but the church is very much alive. And that is because we are the church. And so let's just take a look at this short video now. Big question for us today is what is the church? And what is the church supposed to do? Well, throughout the ages, we've had different ideas about this. Uh, some people think that the church is like this, a building, an institution, where God is way up above us and you have to go through the church to get up to God. So we try to bring people into this institution, out of the darkness and into God. Other people realize that the church is actually people. But we still have this idea that God is up there and that people gather inside of this building called the church in order to praise and worship God so that we can look up to God. 
and we realize that there's other people in the world. And so our idea of the church is that these people that are in darkness need to come into the church. So we come up with all kinds of ways to try to attract people to come into the church so that they can somehow reach up to God. But what if we thought about it like this? God sent Jesus to be a human, to live among a particular group of people called the church, to reveal who God is among the people. But the Spirit of God is everywhere at work in the world. In all people, all across the world, God is working with them and drawing them in order so that they can know Jesus. And so the church, in the power of the Holy Spirit, is called to go into the world, to interact with our neighbors and our friends so that we can all learn who Jesus is. Now, of course, this group of people called the church, they need a place to meet, they need a place to gather, and so buildings and things like that are important and part of the process. But we need to remember that the church is a group that is gathered around the body of Jesus and then sent to love the neighbor, to be the hands and feet of the neighbor. Like Jesus told us, as you are going, make disciples of all people. We are the gathered and sent body of Christ to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. Well, over recent weeks, we've been thinking about the fact that we are a group of people who have encountered Jesus. We're a group of people who, whose lives have been turned around by him, who have been blessed beyond measure. And we note that blessing doesn't equate to comfort uh, or an easy life. But the blessing of knowing Jesus is that we have a rock and a firm foundation to build our lives upon, even in the midst of a storm. And our desire is that others would come to know that blessing also. And we're reminded that the early church was this diverse, vibrant movement of people following Jesus and embracing this new faith that they had discovered. Uh, to them, Jesus was real. He was someone who many of them had seen face to face. Uh, and because of what Jesus had done in their lives, they desired to share him with others. In fact, many of them had Jesus' own words ringing in their ears. Go and make disciples. That was the mission of the early church, to hold out Jesus to a weary world. One of the downfalls of having a church building is that we can become settled, that we can meet there Sunday by Sunday but forget about that mission to go and to make disciples. And what we're discovering through this lockdown period is that the world is hungry to know more. There is a spiritual side to people that is being reawakened. They are discovering afresh that God-shaped hole in their lives. And perhaps, just perhaps, uh, through this lockdown, God has us 
as the church right where he wants us to be uh, in our neighborhoods uh, in our communities with our neighbors and friends and family ready to speak into that vacuum about the hope of Jesus that we have discovered. We're reminded that it's always in times of crisis that God works in order to spiritually reawaken people and to make them crave for more. And there's another drawback of buildings and that is that instead of becoming a resource and a space in which to equip the church for mission and discipleship and spiritual growth that the church becomes an institution rather than a movement for good and the gospel in our world. Late Billy Graham said that Christianity was never meant to be a spectator sport rather it's something that we're meant to be totally involved in. I don't know about you but I know that sometimes church doesn't feel like that. I think for many of you it can feel like a spectator sport. Uh, you come along and you listen to prayers and notices. Uh, you watch the pastor deliver a sermon. That is if you can keep your eyes open long enough. You smile, you greet one another and occasionally you get to join in with the singing or taking communion. And then you all go home again and for some of you I know it can feel like you're on the sidelines watching on. Uh, and the danger of that is that spiritually instead of people's faith growing it can get to a point where actually our faith begins to diminish. Spiritual growth happens when day to day our faith is related to our everyday lives. And we find that we are living our faith out wherever God has placed us. And there's a danger, and we see that from churches that are close, of our faith becoming a religious act of worship just once a week. Or something that is a private and personal matter rather than something we live out publicly. And if we get to that stage, we've misunderstood the calling to be the church and the mission of God upon our lives to be salt and light where he has placed us. Next week we're going to be thinking about Pentecost. Uh, we're going to be celebrating that together and we're going to be thinking about this great power of God that has been given to us uh, for us to be the church. God's power is always given in a context and that context is that we might live out our faith as the people of God. Well, over the last couple of years, we've been planting seeds in the church that perhaps, just perhaps, our lives have been made for more. Perhaps, just perhaps, there is a different, more biblical way of thinking about church. Perhaps just perhaps there's not just a, a, a calling upon my life, but on all our lives. That there's no such thing as one man ministry in the church, but actually it's about every member ministry. That we want to celebrate together that it's not just the pastor who has a gift and a calling, but all of us do. 
that you have gifts that I don't, that you have experience that I don't, that your contribution is as valuable and important as mine. And actually, when you start to think about the church that way, and you start to think about us all coming together and everyone contributing, then that's when a vision of church becomes exciting. It's about us all together modelling authentic faith to the world. It's about the world seeing Jesus at work in our lives and being attracted to that. And it reminds us that we're not to hide our light under a bushel. <clears throat> As a church, we're not to hide behind four walls, but actually we're a group of men and women and children who are called to take the love of Jesus and the gospel to wherever God has placed us. And I've got this exciting vision, which I know is shared by many of you for our Sunday gatherings. That as we come together week by week, uh, that our Sundays would be a reflection of what God is doing in and through us uh, throughout Monday to Saturday. That we would be growing in our love and knowledge of one another. That we would know where one another live. Uh, we would be knowing the neighbourhoods uh, and communities in which God has placed each one of us. That each one of us would know where each other works our studies and our family uh, and friends and that we'd be praying into that and upholding one another uh, in that uh, and that we'd be asking God for each member of the church that they would be all that they can be throughout the week where God has placed them and it's great to have small groups where that begins to happen it's wonderful to have had some testimony evenings uh, in recent months and that's something that we want to continue to think about how we might do that uh, during this period of lockdown. That we can begin afresh again to hear one another's stories and getting to know one another. And the desire is that as we meet on a Sunday, that perhaps on one Sunday we'll be praying for someone in a specific situation that they're facing. And then the next Sunday rolls around. And we hear testimony of how God has upheld them or moved in that context or that, that situation. And that Sundays would be a mix of kind of testimony uh, and praise to God for what he has done in the week past. And a time of equipping and expectation for what God is going to do in the week to come. And this desire that as people who don't know Jesus come into the church... That as they look at our lives, that they would see a group of people whose faith relates to their everyday life. And that would witness powerfully to them. I think that's an exciting place that we could get to. Where we're expending ourselves for God during the week. Having been built up and equipped for it. And knowing the church is praying for us and cheering us on. And then we come back together the following weekend to be refreshed and to worship and to give thanks to God for what he has done and receive from God in word 
and fellowship and prayer before being sent out again for another week to come. Can you see how that would bring an added purpose to our gatherings? It would bring a different dimension to them. Now that we're being built up in our faith and discipled and grown spiritually in order to give to others and bless others during the week. And the wonderful thing about a church community operating like that is that as we are giving out, so we're also receiving. Uh, because those bonds of love are there within the church family, that actually all of us are being prayed for and supported uh, and cared for. I think that would be a tremendously encouraging place to get to. So we have this calling upon our lives and it's an exciting calling to live for Jesus. And for a church to look and function like that, I think requires a kind of wartime mentality. What do I mean by that? Well, times of crisis and war can bring out the best in any group of people. Uh, they focus us on the task in hand. In times of war or crisis, everyone pulls together and contributes. And we've seen something of that in recent weeks in our nation. One person or a small group of leaders can't fight a battle. It takes a whole battalion. And I like to think of local congregations like a battalion. Uh, the battle is not physical. and We're not waging war in that sense against anyone. But it's a spiritual battle. It's a war of love, of making the gospel known to a world which is broken and bound by many things. Jesus himself said, uh, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Need to realise afresh that Jesus is good news for a weary world. And the Bible uses this imagery of a human body to describe the church. And it says, just like a healthy, functioning body, where every part plays uh, its part, if you like, the heart, the lungs, the spleen, the kidneys, uh, your legs, your hands, your arms, eyes, ears, all of them working together uh, in unison. So the church should be like that. Every part of the body matters. In fact, often the unseen parts of the body are more important than the things that are seen. And when the church becomes this vibrant, diverse, missional group of people united in a love for Jesus and a passion to see the church being built and God's kingdom come in the world, that's when things get exciting. It's an exciting vision for us to begin to push into as a church. And we're going to be thinking more about it in the weeks to come. And so you're valued. You're part of the church. You're not just a spectator, but you're part of the team on the field with a valuable contribution to be made. And so Paul writes these words and begin to uh, pull together some of these thoughts now 
uh, as we think about wrapping up. He says this, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Grace is a wonderful word. Uh, it's one of my favourite words. It speaks of an undeserved gift or blessing. And God lavishes grace upon us. And the greatest undeserved gift of grace we've ever received is our salvation. Uh, but this verse speaks about another grace that we've received. And it's speaking about a gift that God has placed into your life to be discovered. I'm reminded of that verse that we looked at a few weeks ago in Ephesians that said you are God's workmanship or, or masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for you to do. We all love getting gifts and to imagine that God has handpicked a gift especially tailored for you does that not blow your mind? Unlike that husband who fails to pick up on the hints of his wife and buys the wrong gift. Sorry Liz. God knows you perfectly. He created you. He gave you your personality, your passions. He knows your profile better than anyone and his gifts are are perfect and are given to complement who you are and to release your full potential. During lockdown Andrew's been watching uh, lots of different movies at home uh, all with different superheroes with different superpowers. and I like to think of it that God has given us all a kind of superpower, something that is unique to us uh, that there is a gift within you for some of you it is hidden uh, you need someone to come alongside you to help you discover it perhaps it's there but you've never really unwrapped it to let the world see perhaps for some of you you have a gift but you're unsure how to use it you need someone to come along and help you to work out the kind of instructions and assemble it. Ultimately, each of us has a gift. And in my experience, gifts are wonderful things. Now, the wonderful thing about a gift is that they are given for enjoyment. Enjoyment. And it's the same with spiritual gifts. God gives us good gifts. They bring enjoyment to God. He delights in seeing us use our gifts. They bring blessing to others as we use our gifts. And you know what? When God gives you a gift, it's to bring you joy as well. There's something wonderful about discovering your gift and using it. Because when you start to do that, you discover a kind of fulfilment in life and your true identity in Christ. Receiving a gift and discovering a gift 
Uh, it's not about becoming someone you are not. It's about discovering the fullness of who you are. It's not about becoming someone you're not. It's about discovering the fullness of who you are. I meet so many people who are scared to discover their gifts because they imagine that God is going to ask them to do something completely out of character. He's not. Gifting is not complicated. It's about discovering the place that you find most fulfillment and the things that you can do that bring you joy and fulfillment. Because often when you're in that place, that is when God is using you the most. If you love serving behind the scenes, then it's unlikely that God is going to ask you to step out into the limelight. It's a different story, of course, if you have this amazing gift, uh, perhaps of leading worship, uh, but you've been hiding it all those years. Perhaps in those points, God is going to prod you uh, to step out and to use it. It's a bit like Britain's Got Talent, where we see the people who have spent 30 years singing in the shower and then they take a punt and step out onto the stage and it blows the audience away. So gifts are to be celebrated and to be used. Uh, some gifts are hidden and need to be drawn out. But God will have given you a gift that is in keeping with the personality and character that he has also given you. And all gifts are to be celebrated. Well, Ephesians says when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to the people. Paul's picture here is of Psalm 68. It's a call for God to descend and to lead his people into freedom from captivity. And we know that when God led his people in the Old Testament out of slavery in Egypt, that following that, he blessed them with the law. Paul takes that imagery and he applies it to what Jesus has done. He reminds us of how Jesus has come, how he descended from heaven to earth, how he humbled himself, coming in the form of a child. And he lived and walked amongst us before going to the cross and setting us free. And then as we celebrated this week, his ascension, it reminds us that he ascended back into heaven. But as he does so, so he pours out his Holy Spirit upon the church. And he also gives unique gifts to each person. And so that is the picture here in Ephesians. God has given you a gift. He has blessed you with a gift. And the question comes, how are we to discover those gifts and use them? Well, as we close, verse 11 says this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. God places certain people into the church to draw out the best in others, to help them to develop their gifts and create an environment where those people can be nurtured and flourish 
as they serve God. This group are called the equippers. But like a teacher in a classroom, they are in the minority. But who is the most important person in the class? Well, it's not the teacher. It's the pupils with whom the teacher works to help them to fulfil their full potential. The teacher is just there to serve and to guide. And so it is in the church. Perhaps you walk into a church building on a Sunday and you see the pastor up front and you think the pastor is the most important person there. But the role of the pastor is to serve the body and to guide. The most important people there on any given Sunday are the rest of the church family, the congregation, those who are being equipped and trained up to discover their full potential in Christ and have it released during the week that they can live for Jesus where he has placed them. And so here in this verse, we have different roles that are mentioned within the church. Very briefly, we have firstly the apostles and the prophets. Ephesians 2.20 tells us that the church is built on the foundation of the prophets and the apostles with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. The apostles of Christ were a very distinct small group of people uh, consisting of the twelve uh, including Matthias and uh, who replaced Judas and Paul and James uh, the Lord's brother and a potentially uh, a couple of others. They were distinct because they were personally chosen and they were eyewitnesses of Jesus. This is the group that Paul has in mind when he writes this list. It is their work and the work of the prophets on whom the church is built. When Paul speaks of the prophets, he's thinking about those who have received a direct revelation from God, which was spoken and recorded in Scripture. Uh, this again was a unique group of people who received a direct revelation from God and into a pre-Scripture context who could speak God's word directly into the community of God's people. Many of their words are recorded in the Old Testament. And so it's the work of the apostles and the prophets recorded in Scripture, which is the foundation of the church. And their words continue to equip the church today for the work that they are to do. Does that mean that there are no apostolic and prophetic gifts today? Uh, well, I want to argue no. But we need to be clear to distinguish them from those specific offices which we have spoken of here in these verses. Uh, there are apostolic ministries within the church. There are those who are pioneers, those who are visionaries, those who are church planters uh, and often missionaries to unreached people groups. Uh, and those who have itinerant ministries. Uh, within the church. All of these groups can be spoken of as 
having an apostolic ministry. Uh, and that ministry is much needed in our day. People who will open up new ground for the gospel and call others to follow Jesus. These people equip the church and are vital for church growth. And then there are prophetic gifts as well. But again, we need to be careful here. Uh, there is a gift of prophecy within the church. But primarily, I understand this gift to be those who receive not a new revelation, but an ability to take the already spoken word of God in Scripture and with a fresh understanding given by the Spirit to apply it to the church in season or to bring a word of God that is timely to a context or individuals' lives. And often those words that are spoken are to call people back to repentance or back to God. Uh, they're spoken in order to correct people or to encourage them and to build them up, just as the original Old Testament prophets did. And so we have those who are apostles and those who are prophets and they are equippers within the church and then we have the office of evangelists evangelists and they are an important group within the church also they are a gift set which is needed within the church for the expansion of the church uh, the evangelists are those who are often on the front line uh, people holding out the gospel to those who don't know Jesus. And they equip the church for the task of witnessing and taking the first steps in going and making disciples. And we're reminded of the words of Romans 10. How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them so the church needs evangelists to equip the church in outreach and then finally as we close we have pastors and teachers those who watch over the body who build it up who equip it through the ministry of the word and pastoral care and they're there to help to grow disciples and to care for people as they live out their faith. And they're there to create this kind of nurturing environment uh, where others' gifts can be drawn out uh, and developed. Uh, and so we have pastors and we have teachers, we have evangelists, we have prophets and we have apostles. And they are there to equip the church and we're reminded when it comes to the church that again like that battlefield analogy you'll have some people who are on the front lines you'll have some people who are in the supply lines you'll have some people who are working in the field hospitals but we need the whole range of gifts within the church in order that it can fulfill its role So we've all been given gifts. 
the role of the pastors and teachers and evangelists and others is in order to draw those gifts out. We are here to serve the body uh, and to enable the body to become all it can be, to equip the saints for works of service. John Stott says this, Ministry is not just for the clerical elite, but the privileged calling of all the people of God. It does not mean that there is no distinctive between pastoral ministry for the clergy and ministry for others, but rather equipping establishes the character of ministry. The New Testament concept of a pastor is not of a person who jealously guards all ministry in his own hands and successfully squashes all the initiatives, but of one who helps and encourages all God's people to discover, develop and exercise their gifts. His teaching and training are directed to this end, to enable the people of God to be a servant people, ministering actively according to their gifts. Thus, instead of monopolising all ministry himself, he actually multiplies ministries. What a wonderful vision for us to press into as a church, as we have been doing over the last couple of years. I really believe that the, the best is to come. Uh, we are the people of God. Uh, we've been gifted to serve him and to be a light in the darkness of the world. And the world needs a church that is alive at this time. It's hungry to know more. It is searching. And this is the time for us to be the people of God.